This is episode one of the Empowered Athlete Podcast. Welcome to the Empowered Athlete Podcast, created to support athletes in their pursuit of excellence and inspire others toward their best lives. Hosted by Kari Schneider, coach to top performers in sport and life, and Paul Durden, former national and professional volleyball player. Hi, Paul. Hey, Kari. How are you doing? I am excellent. How are you doing? <laughs> so it's, it's us. We're the hosts. It's Kari Schneider and Paul Durden. And we are hosting a brand new podcast called the Empowered Athlete Podcast. And we want to introduce it to everybody to tell people why we're doing this. Um, what What's there for you? Because this is something that when I brought this up, you seemed almost immediately intrigued. Well, that's, that's an important point. You brought this up. So this is definitely something that's been brewing and stewing and bubbling over in your mind for quite a while. And you've uh, brought it up to me, gosh, in, in recent history. And I was excited about the idea. I thought this was a great idea because being an athlete, and being an athlete uh, internationally for 17 years, you go through a lot, a lot of different things. And there's a lot of things you just don't know until you find out about them halfway through your career, at the end of your career, when it's over, before it starts, and anywhere in between. And uh, the chance to share those bits of knowledge, those stories, those facts, find out about some of the fiction uh, with other athletes so that their journey can be better. It's just an awesome idea. So great job in thinking this up, and I'm in. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I was somewhat tormented by seeing athletes over and over and over at some of the top levels be um, just really have struggles, and um, and then what we've gone through personally. So I'm gonna just let people know about some of the some of the things I've seen I've seen I've seen people who couldn't retire from their sport because they they honestly felt like they would let everybody they knew that down their coaches their parents their so this is usually at the grassroots level like I see people just have massive breakdowns and they're hating their sport and they're just doing hours and hours of training and practicing and they hated it but they kept doing it because they felt like they'd be letting all these other people down that were supporting them and what they were doing and what they thought their dream was, but then they lost that dream. And they would just be suffering painfully. And I would see it. I would see that over and over, especially in grassroots athletes who were just at that cusp of either making a, like a regional national, or it might be swimmers or triathletes or um, different real high volume sports like that. And then I would also see people go through um, transitions or so transitions like that, but also be in their sport and be feeling very alone because they might be struggling with something or another and not feel like they could share it with 
teammates or, or um, coaches for fear of compromising maybe their position on the team or for fear of people judging them. Maybe it was depression. Maybe it was anxiety. Maybe they were dealing with even small injuries that they wouldn't, didn't want to share because they might feel like their position was compromised. And then most importantly, um, in our relationship, that whole, the whole identity of you as this volleyball phenom in Canada and just this role that you've had for almost two decades that, that, you know, you, you were the volleyball guy, you were, you know, this golden boy for volleyball. And, and I got to be with you through, you know, these times of your professional career. But then when you retired, it was just like the rug was pulled out from underneath you. And, and life was like a whole different thing for you and for us. Um, you know, and we struggle with that. And I saw you more importantly in, in this as an athlete, just, you know, not who, not know who you were anymore. So I think that from an identity standpoint, athletes and non-athletes, so coaches or parents of athletes, or even fans of athletes don't truly understand what's going on. And and athletes feel so alone that this can become a community of how athletes can be supported, but also listening to other people's stories and how they struggled and how they triumphed and how they got through it. And it can be just this learning platform for so many people, but also the funny stuff and the inside information about what their life is really like. And just, I, I think it can pro provide so much value as I've always believed that, that, excellence in sport inspires others and causes so much more motivation and activity and all these great things in other people as well besides just um, inspiring them by watching the play per se what uh what what I know I kind of put you on the hot seat when it comes to your experience in retiring but you know do you want to share a little bit about what that was like for you? Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a transition that I don't think you can ever really be prepared for fully. I was on the, on the side of the spectrum of being the least prepared, having been, as you said, just the volleyball player for so long, almost two decades of my life. Well, really more than two decades because internationally it was 17 years, but there was years of provincial team and regional and club prior to that. So yeah, a quarter of a century of doing one thing and one thing only and tying my self-worth and identity and who I was to that one thing and my performance in it. it uh, it's another story talking about how that affects your performance throughout your career. But when the career ends, it's this feeling of who am I? I'm now the retired person who did all those things, but who am I moving forward? What, what am I worth? What do I bring to the table and where's my value? And you hear things as an athlete, it's 
you know, the stories in the business, business world that, oh, athletes are great to hire and, and team players because they have that concept of working for the group and the, the shared objective and can communicate, work well under pressure and all these different assets that you acquire through your sporting career should or will translate well into the business world following athletics. And that's absolutely true. Those are, are skills that are tangible and do have a lot of value, but having the direction and the wherewithal to understand yourself and what you want and where to apply it. That's the, for me, that was the mystery. And that's what really became the hardest thing to deal with was not knowing where to apply the skills I had and how do they translate into what I want to do and what is that thing I want to do. And so that was a, a thing, as you alluded to, an incredibly difficult time for us and for years because uh, that lack of awareness that I had about myself and not finding happiness in anything I was doing, nothing that could possibly compare to what I did as an athlete, because uh, I'm constantly comparing and analyzing things, it uh, puts me into a completely negative headspace, a dark space where I'm not communicating, I'm not sharing, and I don't want to share about what's going on because in my mind, people like me as an athlete because I was confident and knew what I was doing and knew what to do in the right times. And that, that ability has gone and taken away from me. So what would people want to hear from me now when I don't have this direction? Or what value, again, do I bring to the table, that internal dialogue of, well, I shouldn't share anything because there's nothing really going on right now. And that has a huge effect on friend relationships and obviously marriage and relationships with your kids and all those sorts of things. So it's a, it's a big topic. Uh, that's just a, you know, we're just kind of touching on it there, some of the things you feel and experience, but uh, it's definitely something worth digging really deep into uh, with myself and sharing things I went through, but also uh, with some of the people that we'll be talking to in the future. It's, it's, it's funny because the things that you and most high performance athletes find joy from, especially when they're very, very driven, are so specific and so high end that then it's 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 like how do you find that same kind of joy from from something else you know like you know some athletes turn to drugs or alcohol to get that same kind of high that euphoric feeling from winning or that that you know the fanfare or that kind of thing or you know, like there's so little that compares to that kind of intensity that's so fine tuned. So then you're in the, in the real world and it, it's people like your wife are, are asking you to, you know, see the little things in life that bring you joy. And you're like, you just kind of feel like, well, what is that? And it's, it's not the same. And it doesn't give you that same, that same payoff that you would have had in, in high performance sport. Well, yeah. I mean, where are the 10,000 people? screaming for me when I finished cutting the lawn. Yeah. You know, come <laughs> yeah. on. What is if this? We can all have that. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the <laughs> people don't understand that that um when somebody's been at that level, they almost find it hard to relate to other people because nobody's had that kind of experience in life and and drawn that kind of zest for life that's been so intense. And then everything else is supposed to be fun or this or that. And, and you may not find it fun. Or, or some athletes are so looking forward to retiring to start these other things that they've wanted to do. But 
some people never got into figuring out those other things that they wanted to do. Like, for instance, we've started a few interviews and one person was saying about, about, you know, a tip that they're talking about, find some hobbies and find some things like that. And I remember when we first, first started to get to know each other, I asked you, you know, what jobs did you have? And like, I, I joked around and called you the paper boy because you'd never had a job. You had one job as probably a, you know, kid as a paper boy and that was it. And I, my mind was blown because I had done so many menial jobs from pumping gas to, you know, driving a fork truck to picking trees, to planting trees, to waitressing, to hostessing, all these, all these jobs, to cleaning toilets. And it starts to make all those nasty things start to make you realize, and they're not, you know, nasty or anything, but they give you experience and start to tell you what you like and what you don't like in life and what you are good at and what you're not good at. And and you found your thing and you got really, really good at it, but there were no other things. You know, there was, there wasn't other job experiences or other, um, other hobbies, or if you had them, once you retired, they seemed so in, so, I don't know, average or maybe not valuable to you that you didn't head into them anymore. I don't know. You know, like think of guitar playing or, or the, that kind of thing. Nothing brought you any sort of distraction or, or joy or after losing your identity as an athlete. And it's really a, a trademark of the just the focus and intensity of what it takes to perform at the high level that you don't, when you're in it, training full time with the national team through the summers and rolling right into the pro career in Europe the fall and back in again through the summer it's this merry ground that you can't get off of there isn't the time to sit back for a month or two in the summer and try things or uh, really get a serious hobby and spend a lot of time on it it's the focus is your game and improvement and training and not letting off the throttle because for me personally the goals on court hadn't been met yet so mm -hmm. i didn't have time for anything else except to get to the goal and the goal of qualifying for the Olympics or being ready for the next pro season and going gunning for a European championship or whatever it was at the time. That's what's in the sights and you're laser focused on that. And if you're not, you're a step behind your competitors. And so you have this tunnel vision, which serves you so well in your training and your eating and your sleep and your rest. And I was a genius at controlling my environment and getting what I needed to be ready to perform but it hurts you on the flip side in terms of getting you ready for life and stepping out of that roller coaster ride and getting off the train and being able to stop for a second and think okay now what do I do you know I've seen a lot of athletes um practice their craft and and work on themselves being a really good athlete and I've seen very few who've been as disciplined as you are with your recovery with your napping with your eating with your timing of fueling with your um, therapy with any of the treatments like all of those things you just it's like you said when you say you were a genius at that that's it's not a it's not an exaggeration you were 
you were a machine at all of those things. And that's part of, those were all the little things that made you continuously able to perform at times when it was just, you, you know, you were being pushed to the nth degree and there well, it's, was it's nothing your edge. left. It's, it's your yeah. edge. If you, that ability to know yourself and know exactly what you need from all those different areas of your life to perform your best, make the difference in late in the season when everyone's tired and everyone's fighting off injury it it gives you that advantage to really make the difference and it's true i was a a student of myself somewhat and i mentioned earlier i'm analytical and thinking about my process and well how did i feel after eating that and how did i feel after eating that an hour before the game versus yeah. an hour and a half before the game and comparing and this constant loop of trying something and seeing how it worked and then getting your feedback on the physical standpoint and applying the things that you're teaching me and you know just putting it all together and being scientific about it that's what makes the the difference in the end and the the one percent difference that makes all the difference so these are some of what you're pointing to these are some of the things that in this podcast when we're interviewing high performance athletes, national team, pro athletes, grassroots athletes that might be active or retired when we're interviewing these people. These, these are the fine-tuned details that I think that other listeners who aren't athletes or they might be fans or they might be active, but who want to be top performers in life, in their career or in their health, that it's those details that I think can help them in real life. And, and just, finding out what really happens behind the scenes so that they also understand that athletes aren't these talented creatures that were born with this amazing ability that they quite literally had to go through the blood sweat and tears to get where they got to in their in their careers and there's often the struggles and the triumphs along the way um i think that in terms of introducing ourselves you know we introduce our names, but, um, and people may or may not know your full background, which we will do a podcast interview just to really get into your background. Um, some people may not know my background, which is that I'm a strength coach and exercise physiologist and athletic therapist. And that's what has given me this kind of insight to athletes in working with them from a training perspective. I've been their strength coach working on their physical side of things. But that puts me in this unique relationship with athletes in that I don't have, I might be testing them for their physical abilities, but I'm not that person that has a say over whether or not they're going to get cut from the team. So usually the strength coach or the athletic therapist, these people that are on staff day in and day out with, with an athlete they get a little closer with the athlete in terms of, you know, the athlete might share something about how they're really feeling or that they're really dragging that day that they wouldn't share with a coach or they wouldn't share with even sometimes a sports psychologist if they were dragging day after day after day after day. And, you know, when you see what a person goes through physically over and over and over, it it always has a takes a mental toll. Like there, there can't. There's never a time where an athlete is pushing themselves to the limit physically, and it doesn't have a mental toll. They are always 
going to find themselves at the mercy of what their their bodies are experiencing as well and um and those are the kind of things that that i think bring fortitude to to other athletes listening or also other people listening knowing that you know it's really quite remarkable what the human body or the human mind can tolerate and if we really get into what we're capable of and tap into our best selves that we can do way 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 more than we ever thought we could and and that was part of i think maybe your limitation when you retired like it's been eight years now since you've been retired and only me and you can you know correct me if i'm misspeaking here on this but only now do you really feel maybe like you're tapping into more of what you're you're capable of only maybe in the last year or two i don't know but but not knowing what you're capable of even though even though you achieve so much and we're capable of so much from a sport standpoint but then just feeling like what am i cap- capable of in the real world what does this look like people think i should step into coaching but that doesn't fulfill me or people think i should be really good at this and i don't want to do that or you know what i mean like it's now you're having to stretch to find out what you are capable of and and kind of grow into that new learning as well yeah there's definitely a big growth component to it and for me personally also it's uh where to apply my focus what interests me where is a spark that has been missing in that i feel that if something is running me that i want to go after i could do it but it's this blindness to what i really want to do this lack of true direction that's been the biggest hamper the biggest ball and chain tied to my leg holding me back to it's been yeah it's been a, an awakening really in the la- last year of coming out of that post retirement funk and realizing i'm not who i want to be and i'm i'm better than this just as a person and i have value and what do i want to do with it and so this podcast is definitely going to for me be therapeutic it's going to be helpful to allow me to express myself and share what i'm feeling which is always great and just grow and learn and have a project to work on with you and create positivity and energy around that. Yeah. 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 I love it. Well, I'm really, really excited to go through forward with this, uh, with this podcast. We're going to be interviewing all sorts. Uh, We really want to get a mix of men and women. So we get lots of different perspectives. We want to get all sorts of different sports, especially a good balance between individual sport athletes and team sport athletes. And also just dive into some of those fun questions too, like rapid fire, um, what are their favorite movies or foods or things like that? What w- what's your favorite movie, Paul? Uh, on the spot, favorite movie. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm going to have to go with an oldie, but a good one. This just popped in there. And I say just popped in there. I don't think of Ghostbusters and Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. But no, it's not him. It's going to be uh, Back to the Future. I know you like the Ghostbusters. That, 
I, I like the Ghostbusters. They're fantastic, but I'm going to go the same decade with uh, Marty McFly and Back, Back to the, to the Future. future. Favorite Classic. Book. Stephen King's It. Oh, wow. It, scares the, it scared the bejesus out of me. Holy cow. And what would be a tip you would recommend to other athletes who are you know currently currently active in their sports a tip uh narrow it down for me a tip on uh anything could be training uh, could be could be a couple tips well something sounds a little cheesy but in honestly one thing that i learned from uh famous volleyball player in Canada, Gino Brusso, is to, and from his coach and my coach, Kumal Mew, is to put absolute importance and focus on what you're doing in the moment. So just being incredibly focused and concentrate on each contact, each repetition, each stroke, each stride, whatever it is for your sport. But your ability to do that and put importance on the contact every single time translates into much higher quality, intensity in your training, and just faster results. I'm I'm glad I've learned that now, 11 years into our relationship, because that explains a lot. <laughs> I'm I'm the multitasker, and you're the single focus person. <laughs> um, and what about favorite food? Hmm. If I was, if I had right to now. eat the same thing every single day. Yeah. I have to be, I'm going to go with thin crust pizza. Oh, you just had that on the weekend. But I'd, be, about, allowed, well, I'd be allowed to change the toppings each day. I'm giving myself oh, some flexibility okay. there. <laughs> and what about, uh, what about while you were playing? Would it be the same food or would it be something different? Um, hard to live without coffee, though, as well. When I was playing, especially in Europe, I just loved the entire coffee culture and scene in Europe. In Italy, especially, but Turkey for the Turkish coffee in France, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think coffee is something I miss the most from over there. What do you miss the most about playing? I miss the, I've been asked this actually more than once, and I think what I miss the most is the outside of the, the rush of the big, big games of the, of the finals and, and the, the match, you know, those those mega matches, th those don't happen all the time. But what I miss in general is being around the guys and the camaraderie and the, and the team and the 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 joking and the interplay and the relationships there. Just the learning swears feeling. in other languages. That too, that too, yeah, <laughs> definitely expanding the vocabulary. But I just miss the the guys and joking around and the playing pranks on each other and. All the things that go along when you spend too much time with the same people for a year. Yeah, yeah, forced too much forced time with the same yeah. people, yeah. right? Yeah. And and when you were playing, what do you think that you were missing about your perception of other people's lives? Like when you're playing, you know how everybody when they get to a right before they're at a pro level they that's all they want they just want to go pro they want so badly that lifestyle but once they're there they realize how hard it is and and the grind that it takes to play weekend in and weekend out and 
sometimes two or three matches a week. Um, when you were in it and you were playing, what were you missing about just what you perceived to, to be other people's lives? This one's easy. And uh -huh. it was having somewhere to put my stuff because yeah. I, you know, I was living in Europe for 14 years. I was gone so much that I was actually a non-resident of Canada. And, you know, living basically the expression, you know, living from a suitcase. Well, it's living yeah. from four or five really big suitcases and a moving trunk. But that feeling of everything I have, although, you know, now it, it's somewhat nice to think of in a minimalist perspective of just having a simple life of I only have these few really key things and I'm not acquiring a bunch of junk but more the more the feeling of being able to just put it on a shelf somewhere and not have to worry about packing it up again at the end of the season yeah. or moving it and getting it somewhere else so you just packed that, that lack unpacked. of feeling that lack of permanence that feeling of yeah a gypsy somewhat you, continually on the road and traveling and no address yeah you packed and unpacked so many times yep yeah and what do you think that the audience is really going to want to learn from some of the people that we're interviewing? And, and of course, you and I are going to talk with each other, kind of interview each other about different topics that we feel are relevant to athletes and to people in general who want to be top performers in their health and their life. But what do you think that, that our audience is going to want to hear from um, our interviews or the people we talk to? Well, I think it's going to be different for each athlete listening each listener in that you know some people want to hear stories about what it's like on the road or what it's what those feelings are for a big match or different things that athletes have gone through but i think what everyone hopefully will appreciate is that we're going to get through the superficial crap real fast and the mm -hmm. the canned responses you know everyone can imitate a, a hockey player's post-game interview of capitalize on yeah the next game we got to just take take full full advantage of every opportunity we've got and give it a little all we can and lay it all out there <laughs> and see what happens lines. right yeah yeah nobody wants to hear that yeah no nobody it's useless we want to get a layer or two below that and find out how are you really feeling are you doubting yourself right now is there something going on with an injury that's just been you know all the things that are the real story, the juice and the meat that's under there that's going on in everyone's lives. So I think regardless of who you are as a listener, that's what you're going to want to hear is, is in my mind, the good stuff. You've, uh, you've given, uh, you know, two decades or more to the volleyball world and given your heart and soul to that sport. Um, but now it's almost like, and you've also commentated for World League and for the Olympics. You've really given a lot to your sport and people in that volleyball world. But, you know, are you rediscovering your purpose or do you know what your purpose is now? Is, it, is that part of the journey that you're on or do you feel like you're, you know what your purpose is now? Nice question. <laughs> uh, you said I you would... wanted to get into the meat. <laughs> well, I know that this, I'm really feeling a lot of excitement about the podcast and going through this process with you. I know that this is definitely part of my purpose, but my overriding destiny, I don't know what word to use, but overriding uh, 
purpose in life and what's next, I'm still not clear on. But I know that yeah. this process will definitely help me get clarity around that. Yeah. There I and that's, and that's your question. No, it's okay because because that's one of the toughest things to find is that real passion. There might be passion there, but do people really figure out their purpose? And and you know, I think that I've been learning about what my purpose is, but at the same time, doing this podcast and how passionate we both have come to feel about it so quickly and how we both feel compelled to do it and it has nothing to do with money because if anything it's it's a time sink and you know there's there's not it's not serving our family or our you know day-to-day living or anything like that it's but we both feel compelled to do it and that kind of passion around something that isn't paying back it it speaks to me that says okay we have to we have to listen to this we have to move forward we feel compelled to do this so whatever comes from it is going to be fueling our passion and building on whatever purpose is there for you or maybe a stepping stone to step into your real purpose in what you're contributing for life and uh and that's that's where i think this can open different doors or different ideas or different way of looking at things for the athletes we interview and other people who are listening so yeah should we end on that note do you have any other things you want to add no i, I agree with what you just said 100 percent. and let's get to the interviews yeah super excited and we've already done a couple of them so we're gonna get a few more in the lineup before uh we start interviewing more and more people so please uh share this and subscribe and do all those things you're supposed to do on podcasts because we're really really excited and we really intend to provide great value and uh and get some good stuff out there good content out there for people thank you so much for listening to get more support in living your best life find us in our free facebook community empowered top performers we're on instagram at paul durden and at empower conditioning Please share this podcast and rate us. A five-star review would mean the world to us. That is how we connect with and support more people to excel in sport and life. Take what you learned today and try it. Progress is perfection.